radiology actually is a very flexible specialty and you don't have to know, okay, for sure I want to do academics or for sure I want to do only private practice. There are so many people who are able to switch between the two over the course of a career that is just not a barrier. So we're really fortunate. It's very fluid specialty in that regard. So hopefully that's something that eases some people's minds as they're considering their options. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Radiology Report podcast, where we are having conversations with the leaders transforming radiology today. You can find us on radiologyreportpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Arnold. Today, we are joined by Dr. Aaron Cook. Dr. Cook is a highly accomplished radiologist with a very diverse background. She graduated with honors from Wake Forest University and obtained her medical degree from Baylor College of Medicine. With extensive experience in institutions like Oshner Medical Center and Virginia Mason Medical Center, she now serves as the Director of Arts for the Department of Radiology at Vanderbilt, where she also holds leadership positions in residency program direction and promotes diversity, equity, and inclusion through mentorship and education. Dr. Cook's interests span education, the arts, operations, and quality improvement. And on a personal note, we've been featuring her art in our monthly newsletter at Modality and are huge, huge fans of her work. So super excited to have Dr. Cook on the show to talk to us about everything radiology and arts and, and education. Dr. Cook, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Daniel. Really happy to be here. I uh, really appreciate you and your team. And thank you for reaching out. This is exciting. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background and how an art lover such as yourself found your way into medicine. Absolutely. So the story is one that some folks may recognize. It is not uncommon that people in medicine have other family members in medicine. And that was the case for me. My father uh, was in family practice. So when I was growing up, I had lots of exposure to medicine. This was a small town, so I had kind of that classic small town experience. My father was on call very frequently, so I was answering the phone for him all the time. And I really saw firsthand what it was like to be a physician, especially someone in primary care. Also, as some may relate to, he advised me not to go to medical school, which of course, <laughs> I know is the classic, yeah. Being a uh, adolescent, uh, that made me want to do it even more. <laughs> <laughs> what what town did you grow up in? Richland Center, Wisconsin. It's about an hour west of Madison. Okay, so how many doctor, how many family medicine doctors were in this town? There are about nine to ten at any given time. Okay, okay, and so you, against your father's wishes, find your way into medical school. Did you ever consider doing primary care? I actually knew early on that I wanted to do something very visual. I had always been mm. a very visual person. I had done a lot of drawing and painting from a young age, and I realized that if I was going to do medicine, it needed to be in some area where I could continue looking at things, basically, because I really enjoy that. So I was, from the start, very heavily considering, actually, dermatology. I also liked seeing people. I'm fairly introverted, but also have that kind of extroverted side. So I thought that might be a good mix since that's a very visual specialty where you get to see lots of folks. But then I had a uh, medical student rotation at Baylor 
in radiology and I just loved it. And I realized actually in radiology, you talk to all sorts of folks. So that's really when I started getting interested in radiology. Amazing. And so you also majored in studio art. Is, is that right? That is correct. And that was a little bit unusual as well. So I was going through, like most folks as an undergraduate, very heavy on biology and chemistry. I was actually spending so much time in the biology department at Wake Forest that some of the administrative staff there, they thought that I was a grad student. I was yeah in the research lab. I was uh, working in evolutionary genetics lab at the time, and, and I loved the biology. So that was my plan up until my junior year. And one day I was out for a run. That's my thinking time. Um, I'm a runner. And I realized that I still had enough time, enough wiggle room in my schedule uh, looking towards senior year to do an art major. So I switched pretty late into the wow. arts. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of art were you doing? So as an art major, we had to focus on a particular area where you had a little bit of experience in each of the areas, drawing, sculpture, and so on. But for me, the focus was painting. Yeah. And are you still painting actively? Absolutely. That was one of the benefits of moving to Nashville. My husband and I were able to buy a house. So I had now uh, space for a studio, which I had had before. And I'm able to go up there upstairs and paint uh, whenever I have some spare time. So I have no understanding of art. So I don't know how to ask this question other than to say like, what is your style of paintings that you do? <laughs> you have to explain it to me like I'm a toddler. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of things that's evolved over the years. When I didn't have much space, I did a lot of watercolors because it's very easy to do in small areas, small apartments. Now I do large works on canvas. So we're talking five feet, six feet. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so I like the big scale these days. And I've been painting a lot more in acrylic and very textural paintings. Sometimes with a more impressionist bent, sometimes more abstraction. And I think that speaks to a need to have an avenue for expression, especially to be able to decompress after work. Sure. So what do you do with these arts when you're done? Do you give them away? You sell them? You <laughs> hang them up on your own walls? All, all of the above, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I've moved a number of times. So every time I move, I often gift you know friends and coworkers with some paintings because it's hard to take them all with me. When I get into the groove, I'm fairly productive. And I also have taken some of the artwork into work. I've left it at some of the institutions um, when I've moved away. And I, I do sell some from time to time. It's more of a labor of love, though. I'm not really making money at this. Yeah. Thanks for sharing a bit about your passion for art. And I'm, I'm curious, certainly radiology is a very visual field. How do you think your background, your interest, your passion for art has influenced your approach to, to radiology, if at all? Absolutely. There are a lot of similarities in making art and in looking at art when you compare it to radiology. So when we're looking at art or if we're planning on making an artwork, we have to break things down. Uh, you're making observations all the time. You're making decisions either about what the artist is trying to convey or what you want to convey and synthesizing that information, trying to pull things together, analyze what's happening or what it is that you want to convey as you're making a piece. So I see that there are a lot of parallel actions in both. 
And there have been some small scale studies looking at this, and it does seem to have a measurable effect on that when you learn how to look at art, uh, say as a person in training in radiology, you can actually improve your skills in identifying abnormalities in our images and, and coming to a diagnosis. So hmm. I think there's a lot more to learn there, but it's pretty interesting. That's really interesting. And it, it'd be an interesting place to study you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to teach radiology and how to teach radiologists. And simulation is is a key piece of learning, but but also I hadn't thought about like what are other ways to develop if you're an exerciser, you get to work out all parts of the body and trick your muscles into different things. You can imagine trying to strengthen your visual reasoning skills, kind of what you were just describing. How do I turn a skill of looking at something and turning that into words in my brain as analysis? There's exactly. something there that's probably just some sort of skill that can be practiced and learned and brought from other disciplines. So a really interesting, we'll have to do a, an art class 101 on uh, synthesizing yeah. art. That, that'd exactly. Be fun. exactly. So, and it sounds like you have some room to explore ideas like that now. So, so your new role is director of the arts department of radiology. What is that? What is the director of arts in, in radiology? <laughs> how, how does this come to be? That That's an excellent question. And that's something that I said when I was off in the position uh, because it's been <laughs> like this before. <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun exploring that. It's a wide open space, but there's a lot of interest in how we can integrate a bit of arts and humanities into our work in radiology. So for me, this has meant things at the local level, things within the department at Vanderbilt, things a little bit larger within the institution itself, and then also in collaborating with others at other institutions and across the country. And the arts can get at different ways that we can improve not only how we function as radiologists, but also as human beings. It can really support lots of initiatives that we have ongoing, trying to diminish burnout, support physician wellness. So it's really, in some ways, fairly low-hanging fruit, but I think it takes looking at things from a different perspective to really come to that realization. So I was contacted in a fairly roundabout manner, and this is one of those stories that I often tell medical students or the residents just to illustrate how you really never know in terms of a career where certain conversations and experiences will take you. Just being open-minded can do a lot. So for me, I was a program director in Seattle. I was doing some painting on the side, but that was pretty separate from my life as a radiologist. However, I started getting involved as a program director in some of our national societies. I became more involved in the APDR, the Association of Program Directors in Radiology, and I found mentors there. I uh, happened to be at one of the AUR meetings, the Association of University Radiologists, where a lot of the program directors also meet. And so I got introduced to some folks and I was actually nominated by a friend who preferred not to do the position to join a particular <laughs> committee. Yeah, one of those things. <laughs> she was like, I don't want to do it, but maybe <laughs> so I got on an APR committee. And because of that, they asked me to join Twitter. I was very skeptical of that whole social media experience. And it took me a little bit while to understand the utility of 
Twitter and other social media platforms on the radiology side. I always thought it was something more for personal usage, but I did find that there's a huge community out there. It actually is an amazing resource for meeting other radiologists. And that's how Dr. Reed Omri, who at the time was the chair at Vanderbilt, found out about my dual interest in art and radiology and said, it would be really interesting to combine the two. So we started having some conversations about that. So many interesting threads and, and lessons in there, but certainly putting yourself out there is, is one of them and, and being open-minded to pursuing new things and good on Dr. Omri for his creative thinking. Cause you know, he clearly saw something in you and said, Hey, you know, we can just support smart people with, with ambitions and give them the space to do great work. And so tell us a little bit about how you're putting that to work. What are some of the more you know, specific key initiatives that you're spearheading, you, you mentioned from local level up, but maybe just start within Vanderbilt's residency program in particular. Absolutely. So here at Vanderbilt, we have a small art gallery that's embedded within the department mm-hmm. and we have rotating exhibits and that's to feature art that's made by our residents, medical students, fellows, anyone who'd like to submit faculty as well as our administrative staff, technologists. We take all comers. Family members also have submitted work, which is great. It's meant to be very inclusive and just allow people to share a talent they may have, or even, you know, doodles or sketches. It does not have to be anything that they feel like they want to publish out in the world. It's more so that we can all enjoy each other and support each other as a community. So we initially started pretty much taking whatever people want to submit. And now that we've done a few iterations, trying out some themes and Now that we can get together after the pandemic for a while, we couldn't do this, but now we've been able to have gallery opening and uh, yeah, I use that as a way to kind of socialize a little bit. Yeah. That's really cool. I remember when I, I started my career out at Google and massive campus, tens of thousands of people, but they, each office would have local art featured and they would rotate. I don't remember if it was monthly or quarterly or whatever, but I remember it really buoyed everyone's spirits and also made you feel closer to the community because otherwise it's, you know, big faceless kind of company and and you kind of felt part of something. And so I think that's a really clever idea. And I think it's also clever how it doesn't cost anything to put together something that has some pretty enduring impact from the sounds of it. Exactly, exactly. And I think traditionally, that's one of the barriers to this type of program is people assume that there's going to have to be a lot of money involved and all that kind of thing. But really, a lot of this, you know, it does not take much as far as hanging some pieces of artwork on the wall that's very low in terms of the cost. Often we have food at, you know, some of our meetings anyway, so you can just repurpose some of these things that already have going on. Cool. And then I I remember, you know, that was sort of the start, but that you were also working on some collective art projects with the residents. So what what comes next? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been doing for the residents quarterly art-related sessions, and that has involved various things, some uh, drawing exercises, collaborative drawing exercises, so that people can work on drawings together so they don't feel like they're singled out and learn how others are looking at things some small trips to our local galleries. For example, we have the Vanderbilt Fine Arts Gallery, which is right here on campus, so very easy to visit and see what they have up. One of our recent trips there 
inspired the residents because we had been thinking about trying to do something with some of our spaces in the department to customize the spaces, make it a little bit more our own. The residents, like a lot of residency programs, have their own little lounge area. And they've been thinking about doing a mural or something, but really having some difficulty on honing down on what it was that they wanted to do. So based on our trip to the Fine Arts Gallery, they saw a piece of art there that inspired them to think about how they could actually do like a collage on that hmm. wall that they want to do a mural. So it's all kind of coming together. All right. So ha have they broke ground on the, on the mural yet? No, we're still in the kind of planning stages of all that. But now that we have idea, I'm pretty confident that we can actually make it happen. That's all right. Well, you'll have to update us when it's done. You'll send us a picture. Absolutely. We'll, That'd be fun. We'll, we'll have to share it with the world. Yeah. We, we're excited to see it. Your focus on art is really unique. Are you seeing any impact on the residents in terms of their well-being? Definitely. It's a challenge these days, I think, not just in our department, but in other departments and programs across the country with folks being so spread out to build community. So that's been one of the big advantages of having the arts focus and having some of the other program that we have in the department to really have an avenue where people are able to come together and that's recognized as something that's valuable, having actual in-person gatherings. Yeah. So in itself has been one of the biggest benefits. That's great. And you mentioned too, I'm sure a lot of people listening, they're like, okay, that's cool that Vanderbilt did that. My program's not going to do that. But I, I actually feel like you're trying hard to make this accessible to others. I understand you also are on a committee through, is it the ACR, trying to help others think about how to bring arts to their programs. Is, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Several of our national organizations have interest in this area. The ACR in particular has been a leader in that. So this was, I believe, three years ago now that the idea was raised by Dr. Sherry Cannon um, and some others of how great it would be to integrate art into the ACR. So a small group was formed. It was pretty ad hoc at first, but then we really kind of formalized things. We became a subcommittee under the PFCC um, education side of things within the ACR and uh, we became integrated into the ACR national meeting. So we've had some exhibits, both virtual online through the ACR, as well as in person at their meeting and trying to explore ways how radiologists, whether through academic institutions or in private practice, how radiologists could bring some art into their practices. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So in addition to arts, you have a day job which is being the program director. What what do you like about being program director? One of the best things, of course, is watching the path of our trainees as they come in and the growth that you see. It really is a transformative experience and it is an honor to be a part of that. Also, it's just amazing to think of the whole course of all of us. I really feel like we are all together, all on the same pathway, I was a first year resident once. I think many of us can hopefully all still relate to that and those feelings. And then to see that growth, it brings back just memories of awesome times that I had too. So it's really cool to see it from these different perspectives now at this stage, and then kind of thinking back, tying back to how it felt like. 
And it helps us, I think, in our work as faculty to still be able to remember what it's like not to know things and to be asking questions because there are many things we all still don't know. We are all still on that path of growth. So sitting here in July of 2023, my wife just finished her training odyssey. I could still remember, you know, her first few months of first year just coming home going, I have no idea what's going on. How am I ever going to learn <laughs> all this stuff? There's no way. I imagine as you get farther and farther away from that, it's hard to remember and appreciate just how steep that learning curve is in those early days. But you're you're getting to see it every year with them. And it, it, it is definitely a transformative experience, I could say, kind of watching you know, her and her co-residents growth over the last few years. Absolutely. Some folks say it's like learning a whole new language. And totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Maybe we should teach radiology to toddlers. I hear it's easier to learn a language <laughs> when you're young. So what's the sales pitch? Why should residents come train at Vanderbilt? So Vanderbilt has a huge array of options. We can really provide lots of flexibility. We have folks who are interested in research who come in who already have their PhD and really want to do high-level research and continue that after they graduate so we can help them on that pathway. We have folks who have a passion for promoting health equity, so we have options along that pathway. Other people have an interest now, one of our kind of new areas is in climate change and sustainability. A lot of medical students especially interested in that. So we have these different pathways, uh, we call them leadership pathways. And as part of that, people pick an area of interest. Of course, we wanna make sure that it's something that people feel real passionate about because it's something that they will continue throughout their time and hopefully beyond, but also give them a foundation and have some activities that every resident can participate in regarding leadership development throughout their time here. That's awesome. And I imagine too, one of the pitches for Vanderbilt is that it's got to be one of the bigger hospitals in the region. Tell us a little bit about the dynamic, you know, where you sit in Nashville. Absolutely. So yeah, we are in the heart of Tennessee. We have huge volumes, like a lot of practices. Those are ever increasing these days, high level complex cases, level one trauma center, very, very busy, very, of course, interesting cases to many of us. We get to see things, not just from within Tennessee, but several states surrounding us. A lot of patients will be referred here. So we do get to see some of the most complex and intellectually challenging cases, which is great for teaching. It's also great as far as on faculty, for those of us who really like engaging and trying to figure out, consulting our colleagues, figure out what's going on. That's something that has been uh, really rewarding to so many of us here. So how long have you been a program director? So here at Vanderbilt, I have been the program director for the past year. I was an associate program director before that. Um, mm -hmm. I started at Vanderbilt in 2020. And then I was a program director in Seattle before I moved here for a few years as well. So several years in sort of various levels of program leadership. I'm kind of curious to hear what themes you're hearing in terms of challenges within resident education. You know, how have things maybe changed since you started out in program leadership? Absolutely. So a lot of the routine things of being a program director, which can be a little bit hard the first year or two, these days that's fairly straightforward for me. So I do feel very fortunate in that type of regard. 
but as you alluded to, there have been a lot of things happening over the past several years just related to factors in healthcare as a whole and national trends that have introduced new challenges, of course, the pandemic as well. And a big part of that is factoring in to education how remote work affects our residents and our trainees, our medical students as well, and how we see that moving forward. Of course, things had to change very rapidly during the pandemic. And some of that, like in many industries, is welcome. It's awesome to have flexibility that can be really supportive, bringing more women into radiology, supporting families if there are options for remote work and hybrid work. But in the educational setting, that can prove very challenging. We and other programs have tried various methods for teaching in a remote fashion. And I have yet to talk to any program director who feels like their program totally has it down. It's still a big challenge. It doesn't simulate yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's maybe the number one thing that all programs are trying to navigate. We'll see how things kind of balance out over the next few years. Switching gears a bit, I think one of the things that's unique about your career, you haven't been academics the whole time. So you started out in private practice. Virginia Mason was more of a community hospital, Vanderbilt pure academics, as people kind of think about navigating their career choices, you know, how do you tend to advise them and share a little bit about the pros and cons of those different experiences? Absolutely. So the overall theme that I try to convey to folks, especially those people who are earlier in their careers, they're considering options, is that they shouldn't feel like they're going to be stuck in one area radiology actually is a very flexible specialty and you don't have to know, okay, for sure I want to do academics or for sure I want to do only private practice. There are so many people who are able to switch between the two over the course of a career. That is just not a barrier. So we're really fortunate. It's very fluid specialty in that regard, large demand for our services. So hopefully that's something that eases some people's minds as they're considering their options. I'm glad you brought this up. I don't know what the stats are for radiology, but in a different field. So when I went to business school, people would stress out about what job they would do. And the one thing that our uh, leadership would always remind us is 50% of people will leave their job within the first two years, which I always found shocking because you just spent two years <laughs> trying to prepare for the workforce right, right. and pick the perfect job. And then you you get it wrong half the time when you're on to the next thing. But, but you know, people are employable and, you know, new opportunities arise. And so that certainly eased my burden as I was navigating. Funny enough, I'm still doing the same thing. So I bucked the trend there, but I think that's helpful advice for folks because it can feel so big. Exactly. It can be very, very stressful. And the other thing is you're going to continue to keep evolving and learning things by yourself. So what you want now, it, it's certainly probably not going to be the same as 10 years or especially 20 years. And there are a lot of good and challenging things about all the different sides. So in private practice, it can be really rewarding depending on your setup. If you're in a community where you're able to maybe be the person who reached the chest radiograph, maybe you raise the issue of possible abnormality, the patient comes in for the CT, you may be lucky to read the CT and then do the CT guided lung biopsy. Um, and that was the way it was for my first job where I got to see the whole continuity, the whole spectrum of patient care. And that is tremendously rewarding and to have options for a lot of variety um, in your day on the clinical side. 
for me, I found that I really enjoyed that part, especially working with the technologists closely and working with the patients. But I did crave the types of interesting and unusual cases that I saw when I was training as a resident. So that got me kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe long-term something else would be very rewarding. And I wasn't at the point that I was looking for a new job, but I did get contacted by my residency program, Virginia Mason, Seattle. And that was how I ended up in a community practice. And basically that meant focusing on teaching and then on clinical work. So a little bit different from academics. For me, that was a fantastic mix at the time. Really loved teaching. Also, it was still high volume and very focused care um, in a setting where I really knew my colleagues, not just in the departments, but also in other departments who were able to come down or were able to consult. So that was fantastic. But in a community practice, often there's limited time for academic projects and um, some of the other things that over time, I got to thinking about that might be kind of fun to do. So for me, that's how I ended up at Vanderbilt in a more academic setting. And it's amazing to have all the opportunities in academics. You really have a huge range of what you can do. And if you're the type of person who loves variety, it's a great place to be in. Part of the challenge, though, is balancing all those things. We have clinical days, you have days where you're working on scholarly work, days working on administrative things. So it is challenging in that regard, but very rewarding. Are you still doing clinical work in that role? In yes. Yes. These days I am in the abdominal imaging section. My background's a little bit unusual since I did a fellowship in MRI. So historically I've read some body as well as a lot of neuro and MSK. Yeah, fitting all those competing priorities in, it's certainly more than a standard work day. And so how do you get all the work done is definitely been a challenge that I've seen talking to academics, especially as the academic programs get bigger and bigger and the volumes start matching maybe what you were seeing in your private practice or in the community and now, but the administrative tasks don't subside. Yes, yes. And that is a topic uh, many of us have talked about recently in the past uh, couple AUR meetings. And it, it is a challenge for everyone, it seems like these days. I hope that over time, some of the things that we all see coming online, like use of AI and maybe better tailoring of some of the exams that we're doing. Um, we do some exams where maybe the patient say when they're getting MRI, they don't need all of those series, maybe a more focused exam would be more appropriate in terms of time and cost. Hopefully some of those things over time can shift our burden as far as our work volume. So we're able to maintain these other important areas as well. Well, something must happen. So I yes. hope, you know, those are some good ideas, but we'll see what the future holds. Dr. Cook, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciated learning about your very unique background and experience and uh, vision that you have for how to round out the residency experience. I'm sure others will benefit as well. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been really great talking with you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Radiology Report podcast. Be sure to visit us at the radiologyreportpodcast.com or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to join us for our next episode. We are always looking for great guests. If you have someone you'd like to hear on the show, please get in touch with us online.